Hello, welcome to the New Stack Makers, a podcast where we talk about at scale application development, deployment, and management. LaunchDarkly is a feature management platform that empowers all teams to safely deliver and control software through feature flags. By separating code deployments from feature releases, LaunchDarkly enables you to deploy faster, reduce risk, and iterate continuously. Today, we're speaking with Don Parzik, Manager of Developer Marketing at LaunchDarkly. We're talking about one of the hottest topics in tech. See what I did there? Tech's addiction to burnout how to recognize it in yourself, how to recognize it in others, and hopefully to recover from it and avoid it in the future. How are you doing today, Dawn? I'm doing good. Feeling a bit... How Have you done anything for self-care today yet? And what was it? <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record, uh, Dawn's in the process of moving states now. So super fun time. So thank you for spending the time with me, Dawn. <laughs> Yeah, so like I signed papers today to buy a new house. I'm not sure that falls under the self-care, but I will be taking care of myself after this and relaxing. You're in a logical survival mode, which is totally fair yes, because it's absolutely. a life change. One of the reasons we're having this conversation besides you and I are super into psychological safety, but that isn't the norm to just have it in survival mode, you know, at life events, when you have a newborn baby or when you're moving house. Yeah, you stress them, but then the statistic is about 68% of the tech industry is burnt out. And that's from 2020. Yeah, you could say, well, 2020 was a shit year, a pandemic and all. It was, but it was 61% in 2019. So a 7% increase doesn't look like the pandemic affected the tech industry that much. So tell us about what you think being burnt out is and why you think this is happening. Burnout is a feeling of just exhaustion where you're not fulfilled. Everything isn't working. You're blocked creatively. You're sleeping. You're not eating. There's just this huge culmination of things that are happening at the same time. And to make it even worse is there's a feeling of helplessness that like, I can't do anything about it. You've lost all that autonomy that you're able to affect change that no matter what you do, this situation is still happening. Well, you just described exhaustion, not fulfilled, not eating, not sleeping, helplessness. It sounds a lot like depression. Is there a difference between burnout and depression or are they interrelated somehow or they're just similarly symptomatic? They're very similar symptomatically and putting on like a little bit of my psychology hat. I do have a very old master's in counseling psychology. They are related and I think it's left untreated. Burnout can lead to things like depression or anxiety or physical issues as well that will have a serious impact on a person's well-being. Let's talk about your job for a minute because that's very interesting. I didn't know about the counseling psychology background, but it's interesting both because you're definitely a customer-facing role in developer marketing, and then you're also in a role for high burnout because there's always more and more you can do it. It's kind of like a not esoteric role, but less measurable, less understood. So you put your hands in too many buckets and do too much stuff. So how does that all factor in? Do you use your counseling psychology role in your role and tell us about your job itself. What's developer marketing to you? 
I feel that I use my psychology background on a regular basis. I gravitate towards talking about like the intersection of psychology and technology. And I love the idea of like the socio-technical systems that we're building that like tech doesn't exist in a bubble. People are building the technology. They're very interrelated and you can't just focus on the tech. The people are the hardest part of tech. And we spend more time talking about how tech's the hard piece of things where it's really like the people and the interrelation between the people and the machines. I gravitate towards these things. I find it fascinating to talk and write and research on these topics. And being in developer marketing, my team does a lot of developer advocacy. So it's education and enablement and advocacy and trying to help developers become better developers as well as better humans. Because if you're a better human, you're going to be a better developer. So we look at ways that we can enable them, provide them the information they need to advance their careers, develop their skills, not just the technical skills, but those core skills or soft skills or whatever you want to call the ability to talk to other people, to have empathy, to recognize emotions and feelings and things like that and other people. So within the developer marketing space, I do a lot of writing on, you know, both the tech side of things as well as the human aspect. That's definitely my niche. So I love it. (laughs) How do you do self-care then? How do you practice self-care in a, well, we've decided we're already not in a normal situation because we're in a pandemic. And we know you're not currently in a normal situation, hopefully, because you're moving states, very different states. And then your job, it could be anything. Like you could always write more blog posts. You could always interview more people, go on more podcasts. How do you choose that balance of self-care? I learned from kind of like a previous experience with burnout that I needed to know when to say no. And I needed to understand what to prioritize. And sometimes that meant deprioritizing work. So I've left roles in the past of being a manager to go back to being an individual contributor because I didn't have the capacity in me to take on the responsibility for other humans that were outside of my immediate family. And I've learned through that experience, like when I've taken on too much, when I have to ask for help and to be okay with asking for help. Part of what I feel has led to all of this burnout is this notion in tech that you have to be a rock star or a ninja or have like this passion. And passion has been co-opted to mean willingness to work 60 or 80 hours and do all the stuff. And that's not healthy. And that's kind of what's led to this burnout scenario we're in. So I've set rules. I set blocks on my calendar. I schedule time for lunch. I set like, this is my working hours. Because I had this move coming up, I was very open with my team and my manager about what projects I could and couldn't take on. I knew that my creativity was not going to be available. I have no ability to write at this point in time, because I'm not in the right headspace. All of my energy is going towards the move and all of these other things. So any writing projects had to have been done and completed before the move started. And I'm not taking any on until June. I'm doing some speaking engagements. Like I'm talking to you right now. I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing a couple of other things next week, but there are Things that I'm familiar with and I wasn't creating new content to deliver during those talks. That's like, I know in June, 
I'll be able to do that. So I've scheduled that time. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. It sounds like the relationship you have with your managers is what it should be, but I don't think it's sadly the norm. How did you develop that psychological safety? It's really about feeling safe to fail, balanced with feeling safe to be honest with your boss. And while tech, of course, we have presumably more job security, or at least the illusion of it, because there's always another job. That doesn't mean it's easy to switch jobs. That's another trauma. But how did you build that relationship? Or how did you know that you could have that relationship at Launch Darkly where you could be so honest with your managers? When I left my previous company and joined Launch Darkly, I was burned out. And that's why I was leaving. And I want to take a moment to say like, there's an immense amount of privilege and being able to say like, okay, I'm burned out. I need to leave this job. Not everybody has the ability to leave their job. There was huge like circumstances and things like that. I was fortunate where I was able to find something. And it was very important to me when I was looking that I understood what the values of the company were and make sure that they aligned with my values. One of Launch Darkly's values is work is not life. And that really spoke to me. And companies have the values that they put on their website. And then you get them, you're like, well, you're not really following these values. <laughs> but during the interview process and like in my time here, I've clearly realized like that is a valid point. We do live by that. The managers I've had here, the team members I've had here, even up at the executive level, we're regularly getting Slack messages that like, okay, if there's something happening, take the time, focus on your family, do whatever needs to be done. Like work will be here when you get back. So knowing that happens from like the executive level down was really important. And when I was interviewing, I'm very open and honest. And I mean, you, you see what I put out on Twitter about, you know, this is my life. I have a child and it takes a lot of energy to raise the child. And that sometimes means I have to be pulled away from work. And if that's a problem, then that's not a company that I want to work for or with. Well, thank you for the honesty as a fellow working mom, just trying to figure shit out all the time, just making shit up as we go. I really appreciate that honesty versus, well, that is us having privilege that we can be that forthcoming, but we acknowledge that. And I appreciate that you're using that to share. And I think for those listening, they want to know if Launch Barkley is hiring. Yes, we are actively hiring. Uh, you can go to launchdarkly.com slash careers. We have job openings in all <laughs> departments. And I'm happy to answer questions if people want to know more before applying to a specific role. That's great. It's not surprising they're hiring because the companies that thrived in the last year as the accidental COVID reporter for the new stack, I've realized it was as much, if not more, about the culture than the architecture which we talked so much about architecture, the new stack, but it was a lot about the culture and the safety. So you work with people, it's clear. And people work, I hate to use the word under you, but report to you. I don't know the correct way to say that anymore, but how do you, especially in this remote setting, identify burnout in others? It's understanding the workload that people have and looking at a change in behavior trying to balance projects and helping people understand like when they can say no. I had a team member recently come up to me and 
said something along the lines of, oh, I can take this project on and I want to do this. And I asked her, do you have the time in the next week to do this? And no. And if I had taken it on, I would have been stressed and it would have added to like an already overloaded workload. And that wouldn't have been good. So it was an acknowledgement that, you know, thank you for, you know, recognizing that I don't have the time to take that on and keeping me honest with myself. So doing what I can to be aware of the workload that people have, stepping in when I need to, to say like, no, you don't need to do this project right now, or I'll take that on. We can find somebody else to do that. Nothing is that time sensitive and time critical that, you know, it can't wait a day or a week or a month. Absolutely. We know some apps like in healthcare maybe do feel that urgency, but they don't usually go update that much either because of that reason. So they can wait too. We aren't actually doctors as much as we think our jobs are important in tech. So we've talked about some of the triggers to recognize it in yourself. How do you know the difference between you just not learning to speak up for yourself, which especially is another item of privilege to have been in a situation that you learned that and that you are really just in a toxic workplace. What's the difference? For me, the difference is in seeing how other people are reacting, right? If you're able to have conversations and see that other people are feeling the same way you are, that generally is a sign that it's not you. If everybody else seems to be doing great and it's all wonderful, then there may be something personal that's going on. I don't want to say it's you, right? It's something personal. Like, But then you need to also figure out how do you grow? How do you get past that? What is it that you need to move forward? Generally in a toxic environment, you can see this across individuals, across teams. You start seeing a lot of churn and people leaving. The organization, those are always kind of some red flags, especially when you see groups of people leaving that all fit a demographic. Mm -hmm. And when they all start giving tips about how to get jobs, that's a hot flag. (laughs) (laughs) So whose job is it to create this psychologically safe environment and address burnout? Is it something that should, you said it came from top down with psychological safety, but are there human resources, I hate that term, are there HR people initiatives that are addressing this? Who should be addressing this as an industry, especially? I think everyone has to address it. We need to sit there and say, it's not okay to expect 60, 80 hour work weeks. It's okay to take a vacation. And when I say take a vacation, I mean, uninstall Slack from your phone, disable, log out of your email, go somewhere, do something. Don't check in with work. I don't say don't page people that are on, like people don't page people anymore, but take that time off. I typically will try to do one week a year on vacation where I totally disconnect. I tell my family, not my people that I live with, my outside family that (laughs) I can't be reached. If there is an emergency, this is where I'm staying. This is how you can reach me. I'm not going to have my phone turned on. I'm not going to be on Facebook or Twitter or anything. I'm doing a digital detox this week. And it's a wonderful thing to do. Anyways, I sidetracked there. <laughs> I know, and you gave everything. me anxiety about disconnecting too. I'm like, but 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 Twitter, what will happen if I'm not on Twitter? My followers. And, and that's the thing. And that's why like we're so burned out. It's like, 
we need this constant feedback and these loops and the constant barrage of pings and beeps and whatever it is that's telling you that somebody just said something or commented or liked or whatever. And those are false metrics. (laughs) Those are, are, you know, those don't matter in the grand scheme of things. But it feels so good in the moment to get that big follower. You know, it's a drug. It's fine. It's not fine, but we'll figure it out eventually as a society. So we've addressed what to deal with burnout in the moment and how to have that conversation with your manager or your teammates or your peers, whoever you feel safe to talk that with, maybe HR. But everyone I know, it seems like, especially this year, we've gone from a 48-week year to about a 55-week year, but you're still expected to take those vacation days. So vacations become a moot point because then you're super stressed before and then you're extra super stressed after. (laughs) So how is this actually going to change? Because there's always going to be more work to do. How are we going to break the wheel to, I believe, quote, Game of Thrones. Yeah, Khaleesi. How do we break the whole wheel instead of reroute it? I think some companies are starting to do this. We've gone from this notion of unlimited PTO as a benefit. And unlimited PTO was never unlimited PTO. Mm -mm. It was an accounting thing that then people felt guilty for taking time off. I've seen companies starting to go to mandatory PTO where You have unlimited, but you are also required to take X number of weeks per year. And putting these kind of policies in place can help break that wheel because it forces people to go out. And it's not just saying, okay, it's mandatory PTO, but also setting those rules of we don't want to see you checking Slack. And, you know, I've done this with peers and friends. And I'm like, if I see you on Slack or on Twitter or whatever, I will come to you and tell you to log off and knock it off. Like you're supposed (laughs) to not be doing this. So we need to take care of each other and be like, okay, no, this person's on PTO. They're doing this. It is a collective effort that goes in and we need to stop rewarding the bad behavior and the bad behavior of, oh, I really appreciate this person. He was on his honeymoon and he logged in and resolved this incident. No, that doesn't deserve applause and rewarding. No, stop applauding. Presenteeism is one of the worst things you can do for diversity, equity, inclusion, for accessibility. But it starts with us at school. In the UK, they actually fine the parents if their kids don't go to school for a bit. God forbid they're sick. If they have a cold, do they have to really go to the doctor to prove they're cold? And we all know now that we should be wearing masks, but nobody does, or nobody did before. So this is how we all got the flu so badly. But we're getting back to this, or kids had to be on screen. And then that carried over until our grown-upness, and we haven't learned anything better. It's a really bad thing we're doing to ourselves. We're causing societal harm, but... It's a hard habit to break. Burnout is, I think, an addiction in tech and probably pretty much every industry. Yeah. You have to be always on. You have to be succeeding. And like it's this 30 under 30 or 40 under 40. Like who says you have to reach this pinnacle by 40? I'm like, I didn't do those things by 40. Does that mean that my life and career is over? And workplace is like, I'm already thinking of what I want to do after I early retire. My next fun career of like being an author or owning a tap house, something that is very different. 
raising bees. That would be my random, but I'm self-employed, so I'll never retire. But (laughs) I just have one final question that I ask at the end of all of my The New Stock podcasts. But this one fits a bit more because this takes it down to the individual level. So what is one thing our listeners can do to help someone else get a leg up in the tech industry? I'm going to give this a two-parter. Share your experiences. Be open. If you have the privilege to be able to do so, share like what's worked, what didn't, the horror stories, successes. Share your salary with people so people know whether or not they're being underpaid. Those are all very good things to do. One thing that I do, which may not apply to everybody, is part of my role in developer marketing at LaunchDarkly is to find speakers for events such as like the New Stack podcast. We did a three-part series. Two of my colleagues did the first two. I could have easily sat there and said, I'm going to do all of these, but that was going to make me burn out. Instead, I'm going out and I'm finding the people within the company that are interested in speaking and giving them these opportunities to do so, to share their voices, to broaden their horizons, doing things for themselves. So I don't want to do it all myself. There's other people as well that could do this, but I'm trying to really grow and give more people opportunities to have their voices heard. That's really interesting. We get sometimes those echoed by female respondents to this, as you can imagine, but no one has ever focused on within their own company and within their own role. And I think that's a really valid point that we need to look sometimes within our own circle to understand who we can help the most. And that's maybe where we have the most ability to help someone. Well, I hope you practice some self-care soon enough because nobody's going to front that moving's easy. And thank you so much, Dawn. Thank you, Jennifer. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And hopefully next time we'll be like out of this COVID thing. And we'll be zen-filled from self-care. Probably not, but that's okay. We're parents. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. This is Jennifer Riggins on the New Stack Makers talking to Launch Darkly's Manager of Developer Marketing, Dawn Harsick. Thank you and have a great day. Launch Darkly is a feature management platform that empowers all teams to safely deliver and control software through feature flags. By separating code deployments from feature releases, Launch Darkly enables you to deploy faster, reduce risk, and iterate continuously. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on Simplecast to listen to more episodes of the New Stack Makers. Then create and share your favorite audiogram using our Simplecast player. For more great stories, go to thenewstack.io. What makes for a great tech podcast? The New Stack is conducting our first podcast listener survey, and we want to hear from you. Your feedback will help us bring you the best makers show we can. Please take five minutes to fill out the survey and enter to win a $250 Amazon gift card. Go to the newstack.io slash survey and thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts.